The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Isaiah 1-3 Hi, this is Pastor Jason from Christian Life Church in Waverly, New York. Welcome to Master's Crib, a weekly podcast where we interview pastors and leaders about the biblical teaching of authority. This program is designed to go alongside a personal Bible study aimed towards spiritual growth, biblical understanding, and a Christian worldview. Thanks for tuning in. Today on episode 8, we have Pastor Dave Havener of Lakeview Chapel in Owego, New York. Pastor Dave, welcome to Master's Crib. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm really, really glad. So I actually got to meet you at our conference that we had in February, which was awesome. And some of your folks came out and um, everybody was really, really into it. And I just saw uh, something there, like, you know, the, a fervency. And then I got to meet you afterwards. And uh, instantly when I, when I had this idea to do this podcast, I thought I'm going to reach out to Pastor Dave. So thank you again for, uh, for connecting with me in this. Oh, you're very welcome. So let's uh, take a couple minutes and just uh, talk about where you've come from in all this. So I know you haven't been at Lakeview for an awful long time, so let's just uh, go a little bit farther back. When did you become a pastor? Oh my, that was, I, 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 I graduated from Toccoa Falls Bible College in 1981. Wow. That's a long time ago. <laughs> and, and we went from there to our first church in Fort Alabama. So I started in the South. I grew up in Western Pennsylvania. So that was a big, uh, that was like a missions job right there to go, to go South. But, uh, and then, uh, we were there for a couple years and moved back to PA, uh, pastored a number of churches in Western Pennsylvania. Then about 12 years ago, uh, felt God calling and we just said, Lord, we'll go wherever you want. And, uh, he wanted us in Wyoming for 11 years. So we were out, uh, in uh, Wyoming, I tell people it wasn't better or worse, just different, and, uh, <laughs> and it definitely was different. So uh, we uh, then when, when God said, oh, nope, we're, we need you here, and so uh, we moved back east and ended up in New York. Wow, wow. So now how long have you been at Lakeview? Uh, I started the last week of September last year. So it's been, what, October, November, December, January, February, like five or six months yeah. No, six or seven months. I can't count. <laughs> That's awesome. So was it a difficult um, transition uh, moving up here into a, into a new church, new people? Uh, it, it's a transition. And, you know, I, I've moved probably, what, six times now through, mm. through uh, my life. And each time has its own challenges and own, you know, everything's, every place is a little bit different. Mm. What I've found is people are very much the same, uh, no matter where you're at, no matter when it is, uh, people are very much the same and I love people. So, uh, it, it's been challenging getting to know my way around a little bit. The people yeah. at the church uh, and the people in the community I've met are wonderful people. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I like people, so that's pretty easy. Yeah. It, it, it's a low bar for them to make wonderful on my list. Cause I like a lot. Of, I like people anyway. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but we, so it's been good. It has been good. And again, not better or worse, just different. Yeah, yeah. So now out there at Lakeview, what exactly is the mission of, of your church there? What's the mission of the ministry at Lakeview Chapel? Okay. Uh, well, you know, of course, we focus in, you know, uh, 
on the Great Commission, which is everyone's, every believer's mission, you know, to, to make disciples wherever we go uh, and teach them to follow Christ so that they can make disciples too. So that's, that Great Commission is, is, the, is the foundation of all that we try to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the church, we've uh, kind of summarized it as, you know, we want to uh, connect people to God uh, oh, we want to connect with people. We want to connect people with God. And then we want to, uh, oh, now, yeah, I should have written this one down, shouldn't I? <laughs> it's another connection going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is real life, people. I'm not perfect, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 that's 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 good. Um, I, I actually looked into into your website a little bit right after um, I met you and um, and I saw the the connect ministry that you had yeah. there and I thought wow that is super clever so each person that I've had on so far each pastor each leader has um, has had a slightly different way of explaining mm-hmm. the same thing and like you just said we're all about the Great Commission which is which is really really awesome so uh, yeah that's that's really cool it's cool. now is that something that they had um, set up before you got there or is that something that you yeah, that was in place when I came. Okay, and uh, you know, and, and I like it. it. Like it fits my fits my calling because, like I said, I like people and making those connections and our faith in context of relationship. I think is the only way it can happen. Mm. Um, so I like that. So like this year, each year I try to to just set a goal of what what do I want to focus on, where do I want to go, and this year's uh, was it uh, we're building a community of faith in God that lives well but not by sight. Mm. And so uh, that's where we're kind of focusing this year. And it's a, that same sort of thing. We, we're, we are faith in God, and we, but we want to see it acted out in our lives, the way we mm. live our lives. That is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. Well, that is an awesome ministry that you have going on out there. So, uh, so yeah, I appreciate that. Let's take uh, just a few minutes, you and I, and, and tear into God's Word. We do this uh, every podcast, and today we're going to be looking at Mark 2, verses 1 through 12, and i just like to read that. So it says this, And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. So he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So let's talk for just a couple minutes about the Old Testament understanding of forgiving sin. So looking through the eyes of these folks that are challenging him, uh, what does that look like, Pastor Dave? 
Well, you know, as I read it, I mean, it's 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 clear in what they said, but it's also clear in the Old Testament that uh, they believed in God and only God could forgive sins. Mm. Uh, that that was, uh, you know, and anyone who claimed differently was, you know, like, whoa, you know, that's not good. You're yeah. blaspheming. Uh, and and they're not wrong. That's the other thing. As I was looking at this and I was thinking about it, they're not wrong. Only God can forgive sins that I can't somehow, you know, no matter what my position or my, you know, what people say I'm able to do, I can't say your sins are forgiven uh, and, and poof, they're gone. I can't do that. Nobody, no man can. So only God can forgive sin. They weren't wrong. They just didn't acknowledge that Jesus was God. And mm. that was the problem. Mm. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. So what was the problem that they saw with Jesus's command to the paralytic? Well, I think that they, uh, they looked at that and because they didn't think Jesus was God, they, they, that was a concept that they couldn't, uh, they couldn't handle. It was just like outside of the realm of possibility Mm. for them that Jesus could be God. And so, uh, the command that he gave you know, when he, when he said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven to them, that was just like, whoa, this is a question of authority. Mm. Like, you can't do that. Mm. You can't do that. Uh, the neat thing is uh, that when he said that, the reality, especially the spiritual reality of it all, was his sins were forgiven. I, you know, like we don't, we think about that. And so, you know, it wasn't just something he said. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. And, and they were. And nobody could see that. And, and they, they couldn't wrap their heads around the concept of a man who was God. And so they, that their only response could be, well, you're blaspheming. Uh, and the problem was, like I said, they just didn't know who Jesus was. Mm-hmm. And, and that, to me is the key, you know, going forward in our own lives as well. The most important thing is that we know Jesus. Mm. Wow, that is, that is so amazing. So when we talk about that same concept, knowing Jesus, mm-hmm. I find as, as I talk to a lot of people, they seem to, to see this as some sort of surface knowing about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Could you just talk for a second about what you mean by knowing Jesus? Okay. Yeah, and and it, it is it because you're right. People have different concepts of that. I was uh, I was reminded when I was thinking about some of these things this uh, the end of last week and early this week uh, of A. W. Tozer's quote, and I've heard it around a number of times. And this might not be an exact quote because I don't remember things that well. But he said basically what he said was, "What you believe about God, what you believe about Jesus, is the most important thing about you." And uh, and I always say, yeah, that's, I believe that. Uh, and, and I think that was part of the issue that they were having is that they didn't believe that who Jesus was. They, uh, and they had a wrong belief about who Jesus was. Mm-hmm. And, wow. and when I say a belief about Jesus, it's not just about who he is, uh, but that has to be the beginning of it. Uh, that, you know, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Uh, and we have to believe that, that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We, those are things that we have to believe about God, about Jesus. 
<clears throat> but but it goes beyond that because once you believe <clears throat> what the Bible says about Jesus, then you are left naturally with a decision because God never allows us to have information about Jesus without doing something with Jesus. Ah. Uh, you, you know, it's just not about what I can store in my mind because then my salvation would become all about uh, how smart I am, how clever I am, mm. how quick I'm a learner I am. Mm. And, and that's not what our salvation is about at all. Uh, Jesus said, anyone who comes to me, I'll not cast them out. Mm. Uh, anyone who believes in me will have eternal life. And so it went from knowing about him to believing in him. Mm. And that's what uh, God expects of all of us, that we begin a relationship with God through Christ. Wow. So now do you see, um, looking at this passage and throughout the New Testament, that um, perhaps the understanding of the scribes and the Pharisees and perhaps even many of the Jews of that day their understanding of the Messiah, do you see that as possibly being that, that surface level knowledge that, that they just, uh, they weren't going to be able to, to receive Jesus for all that he was because their knowledge was all just book based. It was all kind of, or, or am I wrong there? Well, it was that, I mean, cause they were, they were men of the book. Um, you know, we're talking, uh, when I think about the, the Jewish faith and, uh, I was reading about this a while back that, children you know jewish children memorized the pentateuch wow. first five chap first five books of the old testament memorized that was like everybody and so to say they didn't know what the bible said is is just not true you know and then those that went on for further training would would end up memorizing all of it all that they all that they had in the old testament and it's just like i have a hard time you know, memorizing John three sixteen, and I think, man, I'd never make it there. Uh, but that so to say that they didn't have an understanding of what the book said would just be unreal, and that's just not not the truth. Even Jesus said, uh, speaking of the Pharisees' righteousness, that you have to have a righteousness that surpasses those of the Pharisees. Mm. So he recognized these were people who knew what God wanted, and they were trying to do what God wanted them to do. Mm. And so, you know, I, I don't want to be so hard on them, but the bottom line is they didn't understand mm. who Jesus was and they weren't willing to consider the idea that Jesus was who he said he was, the son of God. They weren't ready to, to say, well, that can't be. That, that's where they were. That can't be. That can't mm. be. So when we um, look at passages like this or we look at, anything miraculous. Um, typically what most people outside the church and sadly, I say sadly, a lot of people inside the church today, um, what they really believe is that Christ has authority over the spiritual realm. Now in this passage, um, and others, but the one we're focusing on tonight, um, doesn't it look like perhaps Christ's authority extends over more than just the spiritual side of things? Oh, oh yeah. You know, because he's God. Hmm. He is fully God. Even though Jesus was fully man, he was fully God at the same time. And like I said, that at the start, that was what the, the scribes and the Pharisees messed up on. 
they did not acknowledge the fact that Jesus was God mm -hmm. because they were right when they said only God can forgive sins. They just didn't believe Jesus was God. Mm -hmm. And so it has to deal with the spiritual realm. And, and this was the other thing. I, I did look at some other scriptures because when I was reading this earlier, I was, you know, get to the end of it and they were astounded. They were amazed. You know, uh, the people who were there were amazed when they saw this man get up, pick up his bed and go home, you know, and the crowd had to part to let him do that. So like everybody knew what was going on. And, and I just thought, I was reminded how many times were people amazed at what Jesus did. Mm. And so I didn't count because I'm, you know, I, I, I did, but just a cursory looking through uh, the gospels and saying, you know, that, that the, the disciples were amazed when the wind and the wave, the waves obeyed Jesus. When he said, peace, be still uh, that the demons obeyed him. He had authority over the demons and that was amazing to people who watched that happen the the demon possessed man who was just you know out of control and and jesus cast those demons out and he sat around you know perfectly in his right mind and every it says everyone was amazed wow, at what yeah. they saw that the demons obeyed him hmm. that uh the physically injured the, the mute the crippled the lame the blind he healed them because he had authority over disease, over injury like that. Hmm. Uh, he, he spoke to a fig tree. He cursed it and it died. <laughs> you know, and his disciples were just amazed by that. It, but right from the very start, people were amazed at his teaching. When he was a boy in the temple, they were amazed and how well he understood what all these religious leaders were saying. They were amazed at his teaching over and over and over through his, through his ministry. And then when you get to the end of it all, and Jesus rose from the grave, the disciples were, again, amazed. Yeah. Whoa, death. He has authority over death itself. And it, it, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's everything because mm. he's God. Well, wow, that is so. That is like if you were to break it down into the responses um, to Christ's authority within this passage. Um, first and foremost, you point out the fact um, that the the onlookers, the people that are there, they are amazed um, by this. What's interesting is if you like, as you already said, because he is God, his authority is very, very evident in the fact that he tells this man, "Your sins are forgiven," and he picks up his bed. And he walks like Jesus just just commands and no matter what it is in creation it listens you know we listen and we have to really deny his authority in order to try to live outside of it but even at that point at least from what I'm seeing from this passage even though some denied his authority they couldn't help but see that it existed is that right yeah I can't imagine that any of the religious leaders there who were thinking in their own hearts you know, oh, this is blasphemy. You can't do that. You know, that, that I can't imagine that any of them were able to hold on to that belief mm. after watching this man get up and walk. Because his question was extremely pointed in that way. I just love, I love Jesus and his, you know, his sense of humor at, at times. And then just, he gets right to the point. He said, listen, which would be easier for me to say? Your sins are forgiven. Anybody can say that. It doesn't matter. No one would know whether it was true or not. Or 
is it easier or is it easier for me to say, hey, you're healed. Pick up your bed, go home. <laughs> you know, and of course, everyone, well, no, you wouldn't. We would know right away whether or not, you know, like I, I think there was a real pause there, mm. you know, to let them process that. Well, no, right away, we would know that that you're a, fo- a phony, a fake, because you can say, you know, your sins are forgiven and we can't disprove that. But if you say pick up your bed and walk, then we can say, ah, see, you don't you don't. Have yeah. <laughs> and 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 so I think he let them get that to that point in their minds before he turned to the man and said, OK, pick up your bed, go home. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's so because awesome. I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. If oh. I can forgive sins, I can heal people. Wow. If I can heal people, I can forgive sins. Because authority is authority. Yeah. It's amazing how sometimes Jesus just has to like get right down and, and grab us by the sides of our head and look at us in the eyes and say, look, Lazarus is dead. You know, <laughs> they're not getting it. Lazarus is yeah. dead. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he is because now you're going to see the glory of God. Like sometimes Jesus just has to get on and just grab us by the sides of our heads and speak to us like little children. So you're yeah. not getting it. Listen, you know, that's, a, that's exactly what we see here. Yeah. So and, and and you know it's good that you mentioned that you know he speaks to him like children because that tells me a lot about who our God is, who Jesus is. Mm. He is uh so gracious, mm. so kind, so gentle. Like all those things that we talk about Jesus when we tell the, our kids the stories about Jesus, that's what we want them to see that that they're safe with him. Mm. And I think that even with these religious leaders, Jesus wanted to do the same thing. Mm. You, know, you're, you know, listen, you're struggling with this. I get it. Let me show you. Yeah. They had this like this view of the law that was so rigid. And again and again, we see throughout the Gospels, Christ ripping that stuff down. And they're so in love with their rituals that <laughs> they just they get so hard hearted. And it, you're right. It is absolutely gracious that Christ just again and again kind of like leads them back to this to this solid truth about the scriptures. You know, he, he talks about the the outside of their cup being all clean, but the inside mm-hmm. is filthy. You know, he's trying to point them to these truths that are actually going to take an effect. And still they just they turn a deaf ear to him. So that is amazing yeah. that he is uh, continually gracious and kind. You know, Amen. that's that's beautiful. It, there's it was there's a reason why John uh, in writing the, the beginning of his gospel so that we beheld his glory, mm. uh, one from the Father, uh, full of grace and truth. And I love those two because we don't often put those together mm. uh, in our world. You know, we say, oh, you're full of grace. You're just wishy-washy and you're let anybody do anything. And, and we need to take a stand and for the truth. And then, But the truth gets so hateful and hurting. You know, even, even, even the truth that is truth can mm. be presented in a way that's harmful mm. and uh, because it, it destroys and it hurts and it beats people down. And, uh, and that's not how Jesus did that. That, that's that we always present the picture, you know, at, and we don't preach them together, grace and truth, you know, and, yeah. and they're both so important. So we end up with churches full of, you know, half the aisle filled with hammers and half mm-hmm. the aisle filled with feathers, you know. Yep. So we have people that will let anything happen and people that are not going to let anything slip by, you know, yeah. and somehow to just follow after our Lord 
and, and to live that pattern out, which the Spirit gives us the power to do, to live a mm-hmm. life of grace and truth. Boy, that is, that is such a beautiful—I'm so glad you picked that out or you pointed yeah. that out. It's such a beautiful representation of, of who Christ is and really who we're supposed to be, um, reflecting the restored image, <laughs> which is, is marred but uh, is being rebuilt yeah. in us every day. That's, that's really awesome. So if we talk for just a moment about some of the cultural implications— and this is where mm-hmm. things always get interesting in this podcast because <laughs> everybody knows society's a mess, but what we want to do is kind of pretend like everything's okay. So I'm just going to ask you these direct questions. So why is the modern culture so hostile toward the idea of authority? Well, like like so many things that we struggle with in this world, it's sin. You know, uh, but I don't want to give that that Sunday school answer and leave it at that, because when I think about sin and I think about original sin that's in all of us, we're all born with this sin nature that is in us, passed down to us from Adam and Eve uh, in the garden. And it's been the same. You know, people are the same. Mm. We all start out exactly the same. And I look at that. And when I think of original sin, what I think of is pride, you know. Uh, wasn't that what uh, Satan's problem was? You know, uh, I want to be mm. like God. Mm. I can, I can run this show. I'll take over. Mm. You know, and it was that pride that he passed on in, as sin in Adam and Eve, saying, you know, oh, you can be, you can see things like God sees things. You can be like God yourself, and that was their pride. <laughs> Excuse wow. me. That, uh, that got him into trouble. And uh, so not only is it at the original sin, but it's the foundation. And as I think through this, you know, pick a sin, you can take it back to pride, mm. that I want to be the one in control, especially when you define sin as anything that goes against what God says. Mm. Uh, well, then what's that doing? I say, well, I don't have to listen to God. I will do this. And so I see pride as the biggest part of it that uh, – in our culture, anyone who's not following Jesus, and some who are following Jesus but still struggle with this pride thing, we get in trouble because we don't like the, author- the idea of authority, that God has authority over us. We want to say, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. Wow. So what, um, what examples have you seen in recent days right now of the, uh, the rejection of authority in our culture? Yeah, I mean, you you look around. Well, let me just back. Not just today. You've seen it. You know, I just moved uh, to New York from Wyoming, as I said before, and uh, the the Western mindset is that's one of the things that's different. Okay, mm-hmm. there is a just a fierce individuality uh, in the West, uh, and they are very much the "don't tell me what to do" people. Uh, yeah, you know, if you. I mean, it may, I may be thinking I wanted to do that, but if you tell me I have to do it, I'm not doing it. Mm. <laughs> That's just how strongly they are. But it's that pride thing. I'm going to control my own life, my own destiny. I'm the one in control of everything. And that it's that pride again that, that comes into play. And we see it today, even here and, and across the nation, around the world, where, uh, where we're dealing with this virus. And what are we doing? We're saying, well, the best thing to do is to follow these guidelines, mm. you know, and you know, you have to do this and you, you have to stay away from one another. You have to close businesses. We got to, you know, to flatten the curve and all the rest. And even though that's not God's authority, this is just the authority of man. 
we struggle with that, mm. you know, and, and when I'm reminded that no government is in place except God has put them there, Amen. then I say, oh, wait, maybe it's not just the authority of man I'm bucking against, but, you know, if God put them there now, that changes the way I look at things too. Mm. Yeah, no, no, for sure. For sure. So do you, do you see in thinking about our churches, and we have um, pews that for the past five, six weeks um, have remained empty, but um, before that, I mean, we have all kinds of different people from all sorts of walks of life. And the statistics show us that typically Christians really aren't living a whole lot differently than those that do not believe. So yeah. do you think that the church has kind of failed in our responsibility of teaching our people the importance of the doctrine of authority? Well, I, I think I think that that's a part of it, you know, the teaching of it, but it's also a part of what do we do with the teaching. Mm. Uh, and and we that's where I said before, we all have that same sin sin nature in us and that pride in us. And until we submit to Christ, until we say, you know, say, hey, I'm all in, mm. then we're going to continue to struggle with that. Mm-hmm. And we can, and I'm not even just talking about the, uh, the beginning of our salvation where we confess we're sinners and we ask Christ to forgive our sins and, and be Lord of our lives. That's the beginning, but that's not the end. <sighs> you know, that goes on and on. And as a church... As leaders in the church, this is the thing that, that challenges me most of all. I need to model this mm. in my own life because I can't stand up on Sunday and say, hey, you need to do this unless I'm doing that. I can't say, you know, that you need to – this is one of the things I say all the time, and uh, this has been through multiple churches who have heard this one, that, you know, that you have to submit to the authority uh, – to the uh, – the guidance and provision of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to submit. And, you know, and people say, amen, that's right. He, he better do that. And they point to the guy sitting next to them, <laughs> you know, and, and, and man, that's hard to break. Yeah. But I've got to model it and they've got to see in the same way that Jesus showed the crowds there. I'm not going to heal anybody who's paralytic like that short of God's power in me because only God can do that. Mm. But, you know, they need to see a changed life. Mm. So they need to see me submitting to the guidance and the provision of the Holy Spirit in my life. And they need to see the benefit of that in my life. Yeah, that's so awesome. So, so really showing through our lives that God is sovereign and that God yeah. is in control. And like you said, and I just, I love that you just said that because that is a message that is just so skipped over. Watch, watch TV, watch these preachers, listen to the radio, listen to a lot of these ministers. And it, it, is, it is a fault where we teach that the gospel is, uh, is the pill from the matrix where you swallow this and yeah. everything's different and then you're fine. And not That's this continual yeah. repent and believe, repent mm-hmm. and believe. We're told that, um, you know, some of them that they worshipped when they saw the resurre- resurrected Christ, they worshipped. Yet some of them doubted. 
how much more do we in 2020 have to continue to, to believe? I mean, we need to continue to trust every single day. Like you said, it's, it's not just a, a thing we do when we become Christians. It's something we need to continue to do. So as leaders, uh, us displaying that we are under God's sovereignty, under his authority. I mean, I just, I love the fact that you pointed that out because it's so necessary. If they don't see us, if the church doesn't see the leaders doing it, why is the church going to do it? And then if the church isn't doing it, why would culture ever look at a church body as anything other than a bunch of hypocrites? Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if you were just to speak for a moment at those who struggle with the idea of authority or the idea of God's sovereignty, um, you know, maybe, maybe there's some believers that uh, they have their lives and they've said, I've, I've surrendered all, but there's this one part that I'm, I'm just struggling with and I'm not sure that God's going to be able to, uh, to rule as well as I can in this area. What would you say to them, Pastor Dave? Yeah, and, and it, it kind of repeats a little something I said earlier when I was, uh, you know, mentioned that quote from Tozer that what, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Uh, we, need, we need to ask the question and say, okay, what do I believe mm-hmm. about God? What do I believe about Jesus? Because in order for me to be at peace with God's sovereignty, in order for me to lay down my pride and say, okay, Lord, it's you. You're in control. Uh, then it, that's not going to happen if I don't believe certain things about God, if I don't believe certain things about Jesus. Mm. Do I believe that he is all-powerful? So that if I say, okay, you're in charge, are we going to come up against something down the road that you can't handle, God? Because mm. in that case, I'm not happy with that. Uh, are you, you know, and, at this, and the other side of that coin is, are you good? Hmm. Are we going to come up against something where you let me down? Wow. You know, where, where all of a sudden this hurts me. And, you know, aside from discipline, which is never pleasant, I get that. But, I mean, something that really damages me. Uh, are you good? Mm. Are you loving? Do you love me? Uh, I, I think it was interesting when, when Jesus was addressing Peter after he had denied him, you know, what did he keep it? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Yeah. Do you love me? And I think that, you know, that shows me the importance of that in, in relationship. So that, yes, I, I need to love Jesus. I need to be convinced that Jesus loves me, too. Mm. You know, is, is he going to be, uh, is he always going to be just? That when he says, it's, you know, the, this is the law and this is the way it works. These are the rules and I'm going to, I'm going to enforce them with you and with everyone else just the same, mm. uh, you know, uh, because, you know, I don't want you changing the, the rules in the middle of the game because mm. uh, I won't be happy with you being in control if that's the case. Are you merciful? Are you gracious? You know, because I will mess up. I don't have great faith in myself. I've proven my, that to be the case for years and years and years now. You know, I mess up. So are you going to be merciful mm. and gracious and forgive me and take me back when I mess up, when I sin, when I disobey? 
uh, because I'm hesitant to give you control of my life if the first time I fall, you just kick me to the curb. Mm. And so what we believe about God, about Jesus, you know, I, I can only be at peace with God and his sovereignty if I'm able to look at these things and say, yes, indeed, he is, like John said, full of grace and truth. I can trust him. Wow. Taste and see the Lord is good. That is, that is so awesome. Well, Pastor Dave, I just thank you so much for your time. And uh, I just wanted to uh, give you an opportunity. Please uh, let the listeners know how they can find out more about you or about the ministry of the Lakeview Chapel. Oh, thanks. Uh, we're like, of course, now we're not meeting together like anybody else. And so uh, uh, our best uh, way to contact us is, is online, our online presence. So you can like and follow us on Facebook, Lakeview Chapel. Uh, and uh, and our, web, our website is lakeviewowego.com. Uh, we, we like to keep repeating the same things so that it's easy for me to remember. Uh, and, you know, if any of you guys... Uh, want to i i know i talked with i talked with my sister the other day uh my older sister and uh, she uh is living down in pennsylvania and she wanted to know what time our service was online we're we're on uh our youtube channel at lakeview chapel uh so if you go to youtube and just look you know search lakeview chapel you'll get us and uh, she wanted to know what time we were going to be on and she said well i watch four or five different church services every sunday i'm like (laughs) good for you (laughs) yeah So uh, she was looking for us. So you can find us there too. Wow. Well, that's so awesome. Pastor Dave, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to be praying for you and and your family and definitely for the ministry at Lakeview Chapel. Thanks so much, Jason. I appreciate that. And you're you're in our prayers as well, because I know this is a real challenging time Mm. uh, for us as, as pastors trying to lead people when we're not able to do the things that we always used to do. Uh, the things that we've been taught to do, the things that we're, we're comfortable doing. Uh, and so change is not easy, and so we need to be praying for our thanks. Thanks.